Welcome to the Cyber Nation Uncensored Podcast. We welcome all Chumbas, Edge Runners, Vault Dwellers, Wastelanders, Spice Traders, and Space Folders. Thanks for joining us. Please give us a great review and also be sure to join us on both YouTube and Twitch. We'd love to see you on a live stream. Thanks again. See you soon. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And hello, hello my loves, I hope that everyone is doing well on this fine post-tea day, turkey day, food, holiday, uh, slash digestion weekend, uh, Tuesday, Tuesday evening, and or Wednesday, question mark, morning, uh, depending on where it is that you may happen to be. Um, yeah, but here we are. I'm here. I'm still in one piece, uh, survived family-a-thon, which I say that. It was actually lovely. <laughs> um, oh no! Cyclonus, hello, how are you? And I'm seeing that I'm very quiet. Hang on, let's, let's find out why. Um, let me know if that helps. I'm, I'm turning my, my microphone up. And, uh, if nothing else, I'll just have to move my face closer to it. Um, yeah, let me, you know what, let me double check. Let me make sure, okay, it says it's going through where it should be going through. Perfect. I'm hearing that it's much better, and that's what I live to see. <laughs> um, yes, hello, it is so wonderful to see you. I hope that everyone had an amazing holiday last week. Uh, not too crazy, not too, uh, harrowing, nor, um overburdened with food or anything like that uh, for those who celebrate whatever it is you may celebrate at the end of November. Um, and yeah, I hope that the start of official December holiday season is treating you well. Um, I, you know, I will say I have put up a couple lights and I put that in quotes because I found, you see, at the dollar store these they look like the old-fashioned Christmas lights, but they're real big, um, and they're solar lights. Anyway, I got a bunch and stuck them to my house. So uh, we'll see if those work, or if it's just nonsense that I stuck to my house. <laughs> um, hello, Shawtails! How are you? I hope you are doing well. And Cyclonus, I am so sorry to hear that it was harrowing. Um, I hope things are looking a little calmer, a little more up uh, for you at this point. And I will say, hopefully, hopefully my my catch-up of the wonderful world of weird news tonight helps bring a little a little peace to your soul, a little smile to your face, a little question to your brain. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I really need to go over beforehand, but I don't think there is. You know, and I'm, I'm sitting here, I've got my, my mug of half coffee, half hot chocolate, and um, hopefully, I will be wired for the unforeseeable future. <laughs> um, yeah, so, oh my gosh, 
Shawl Tales, I'm glad you did not have to go out in the snow today. Also, it's wild to me what the weather has been doing lately, um, as where I am in the Midwest USA, uh, there has not been any snow yet. Uh, no markable snow anyway. And today was actually fairly warm. I think it was in like the 50s today. And yet, so nearby, near-ish by, a few states away-ish nearby, uh, snow is is really like packing people in to their homes like chili sardines. So I find that interesting, but A, the state slash city I live in is notorious for weird weather, so there is that. Uh, B, also the, as we all know, the climate is going nuts. So that's, that's something to be excited about. <laughs> um, anyway, needless to say, I at least have some good uh, news to start with. We're going to start with some good news. Let's go ahead and get started because I, I've got a few things here that I, that I want to share with you and go through. So let's jump right in. Uh, so the first thing I have for you today is, that is right, this is 86-year-old viola player uh, who is in England. Her name is Anne Miller. This is Anne Miller and um, a stock image of a viola royalty-free that I found. And what is so fascinating about this woman is that not only is she a viola player, but she has been playing with the same orchestra for over 71 years. And uh, as it turns out, the record-keeping organization known as the Guinness Book of World Records has confirmed that Ann Miller is the new record holder for the longest career as a player for the same orchestra after playing viola for the Red Hill Sinfonia in Surrey for 71 years and 194 days, which I'm not really going to fully math it, but that seems like a, around half a year. Um, and the thought, <laughs> the thought of not only, do, you know what, I'll just put it this way. The thought of doing anything, anything the same, um, you know, in the same location, the same business, orchestra, whatever it is you may have, um, the thought of staying with anything for 71 years is wild. I find it wild. And uh, other than, you know, pe people who have been married and such for 71 years or, or good friends or, you know, um, whatever it is that may be. I'm not saying 71 years is a an unbelievable too long of a time to do anything. But when you play for a symphony that, you know, to my understanding, uh, this is coming off the knowledge of someone who does not play for a symphony in any capacity, but I've I have known and spoken to some people who have that you you work there, but you also, you know, you'll do some other instrumental work like teaching lessons and stuff. But it's essentially your job. You're at your job for 71 years. Most people, I feel, would retire uh, <laughs> before that. And so, I, you know, I think this speaks highly of the, um, what was this again, the... Red Hill Sinfonia, I think that speaks highly of them, that somebody would want to stay there for 71 years and six-ish months. Um, but yeah, I the other thing I'm really impressed by is that Ann Miller 
86 years old, playing the viola, which for anyone who's not incredibly familiar is is the big the the big violin looking thing that you still hold like a violin but it's bigger um my my husband played viola apparently there's a lot of uh orchestral jokes about violas and viola players but neither the place nor the time for that (laughs) um but yeah that all said 86 and still playing viola uh violist as it were really impresses me as well Mostly because as an illustrator slash crafter slash uh, crocheter on occasion, my hands are already a little like creaky, you know, uh, I sometimes I get a little a little pain in the wrists in the fingers, if you will. And the fact that somebody would be able to play symphony quality viola into their mid 80s slash like later mid 80s. Um, is really impressive to me because I think my fingers would all have fallen off by that point. Um, So congratulations, kudos to you, Ann Miller, and this wonderful Guinness World Records certificate. And may you continue playing the viola with the uh, Red Hill Sinfonia in Surrey for many more years as well. And also I do have to say, Critwitch, hello! It is wonderful to see you. I hope you are doing well. Um, yeah, so as we, <laughs> as we move on, so the next thing I have for you, uh, I laugh because, well, you'll, you'll see this. So this is, I, I like to have a little, I like to be well-rounded when I'm bringing you the, the weird from the month. You know, we, we like to have some uplifting things. We like to have a little bit of, a little bit of crime, if you will, a little bit of true crime. I love true crime. And, you know, I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts, and I want to bring that to you in the ways that I can. Last month, we had the woman who was arrested for unleashing weaponized bees. Well, let me tell you that this month, I gotta just, this month, we have... Oh yes, that is right. What you are seeing before you right now is, that's right, that's a police truck. And not only is that a police truck, that's an ostrich running right next to it. That's right, in Alberta, 20 ostriches got free from their ostrich home and they started running wildly through the streets, running through the streets. Uh, Apparently these 20 ostriches escaped their owner's property and the uh, Tabor Police Service and RCMP responded as you may expect (laughs) in that they went to collect, round up, arrest the birds. (laughs) Um, And hello, Bronx Mash. Thank you as well. Thank you. Yes, I do like this hat. I actually put some horns on it. The horns did not come with the hat, but they do in this household. Um, But yeah, so these, and what you're seeing before you is not actually a picture. Oh no, it is a video. We have video footage of this event, this horrific and troublesome event. Let's take a look here. So, oh my goodness, look at that. Tried to, this cop tried to grab the ostrich by the neck and the ostrich is just taking off ostriches. They run very fast and they can also uh, disembowel you with a single kick. 
I think that's important to note for this. Um, so apparently the group of ostriches had made their way um, into traffic, as as we can see here. Oh, look at Oh, just went down. Oh, but there he goes. And or she. I, I don't know. I don't know who this person is. I'm assuming um, maybe... Oh, this is the, apparently this is the person who filmed the escaped ostriches. Um, but yeah, here we go. We just got this. Oh, oh my, oh my goodness. That looks, that looks awful. You know, I do have to say, you want to round ostriches up. They, they can't just be roaming free. That's, that's wild. You can't have that. Um, also, they have very wiggly, uh, hose-like necks, one might say. I remember one time when I was young... And I don't know if anyone is familiar with those drive-through uh, safari park kind of things. And by drive-through, I don't mean like McDonald's drive-through, but I mean like you you enter the park in your vehicle and you you know you just drive through the wide open spaces where all the animals roam free and do their their natural things. But the thing that is not natural about it, other than so many other things, is that you can get these bags of like animal snacks, right? that as you drive through the park, you can you can just toss these animal snacks and, and give them to the animals. Well, ostriches are really into these animal snacks. And I recall, and I was really young when this happened, I recalled um, these ostriches came up to the car and they really, they really wanted these animal snacks, okay? And they figured out that they were coming from inside the car, these snacks were. So what they did, because you know, you you have a window open when you're when you're chucking food for the wildlife. And uh so the ostrich came up and on the driver's side where my dad was driving, because again I was a child, the ostrich just like sticks its head in the window. And by its head I mean its head and its entire neck, because I, on the passenger side, was in fact holding the bag of snacks. So the ostrich just all the way into the car and my dad is trying to grab it by the neck and like, you know, put it outside of the car. Uh, but I just remember he kept trying to grab this ostrich's neck and it was like, shoop, shoop, shoop. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my experience with the wildlife park. Uh, whether or not you want to experience that yourself, that is up to you. <laughs> um, and honestly, like I... This was long enough ago. I don't remember which one it was that I visited. It was not within the immediate area of which I live. Um, and I I don't necessarily know the, you know, how... I would imagine some of these keep the animals pretty well and, and happy. Uh, they have more land to roam around than in a, a traditional zoo, I would imagine. Um, but yeah, I, I cannot speak to the the wellness of how they keep all the creatures and stuff. Um, and hello, Stinkpong, good to see you. I am well, how are you? Um, yeah, so essentially, ostriches, ostriches running free, and as it would happen, uh, the police would in fact obtain all of these birds. They they were returned to the their place of origin, i.e. the ostrich farm, question mark, uh, but it did take more than five hours to grab the birds and put them back, which I do wonder. I wonder how they did that. Like, I feel like you would want a a bird lasso, a bird lasso, because I don't think, I don't think it's realistic to think that you would 
reach out of your car, just just reach out and grab it. I don't think reaching out and grabbing the ostrich really seems like a viable strategy. Because then, even if you do manage to grab the ostrich by the neck from inside the car, you are now sitting in a car holding onto an ostrich neck. I'm not really sure where the plan goes from there. <laughs> it doesn't seem like there's much you can do following that point unless, you know, put a, put a tiny little collar on it and, and like, leash it up and, and walk it back. I'm not really sure. <laughs> so, so that is, uh, that is our, our crime from November. Um, you know, it's, it's hard. We are indeed living in, um, <clears throat> difficult, bird-riddled times. Uh, yeah. So, that's, you know, it's, it is what it is. It is what it is. Um, yeah, and I agree. Like, again, I it was not a well-thought-out plan. I really, like, whilst having this particular footage is fine and delightful, I really want footage of the actual roundup process. Like, did you have to bring in cowboys? Um, and I don't know what the cowboy situation is in Alberta. But I have seen footage of another escape where these these cows escaped down into a city street and it had to be somewhere that was fairly close to a rural area because indeed like people who appeared to be cowboy adjacent showed up with ropes and actually like roped these cows and and you know took them back home <laughs> um and Cyclonus, I, I see right now that um, I'm being told there are many cowboys in Alberta, and I'll believe it. I will believe it. Uh, yeah, so, vaya con Dios, ostriches, uh, good, you know, I hope you guys had a lot of fun on your time in the sun. And um, if you do escape again, I would suggest not going into the middle of traffic. Uh, would be my suggestion for that. So, uh, next up... And I do want to preface this and also asterisk it with the just just a little side note that most of the stories I have for you tonight, this month, do pertain to animals. Um, I love animals and uh, it just so happens, however, that most of the stories I found were indeed animal related. So just buckle in for that um so oh my gosh so apparently alberta also has an uh, event that is a huge one called the calgary stampede and i know nothing about it but i feel like i should i feel like that's the kind of thing i should really have in my knowledge box <laughs> um but yeah speaking of animals and speaking of animals not necessarily not being where they should be, but being unusual in some way or another. I would like to introduce you all to this goldfish. This is an actual gold, like an actual goldfish. I cannot stress this enough. This is a goldfish. Um, <laughs> it's, as you can see, uh, very large. This is a large goldfish. Um, so the story behind this goldfish here, 
an angler was in France. I'm assuming the angler was French. Um, but he was fishing. Um, oh, wait, no, I stand corrected. The angler was British. British angler fishing in France. Um, and it was just so we're all clear, it was a carp specific fishery. So, you know what? Good on him. Um, but the location is the Blue Water Lakes, which is a carp fishery in Champagne. And <laughs> this, this fish, this goldfish here is known locally as the carrot, first of all. Um, and I, I really want us to take a moment to really appreciate the carrot in all of his and or her glory, uh, because this is in fact the world's largest goldfish. That is right. The carrot is, uh, let's see, uh, 67.4 pounds, which in non-pounds is a different amount that I didn't actually think to put write down. Um, so if anybody wants to share what the, uh, the non poundage is of 67.4 pounds. Um, yeah, that is this goldfish. It is huge. Uh, and huge doesn't even really, I think, cover it. Like this gold I'm sorry, my apologies. The carrot, the carrot has a face. Like, look at this, look at this face on this, like this, the carrot has an expression. I feel like this is the goldfish that would start speaking to me in one of the folklore tales of old, you know? Um, yeah, 67.4 pounds. And actually, you know what? Hang on. I I want to give this to everyone. Uh, pounds to... Um, so it would be... So 67.4 pounds is 30 point, roughly 57 kilograms. Uh, so that is what we're dealing with here. But I think you can just, you can look at the carrot to see that this, this fish, uh, I just, I want to meet this fish. Um, I'm really, I'm really taken by the carrot. Um, and a little bit about the carrot's history is that um, apparently this, this fine specimen was put into the lake 15 years ago so that anglers would have quote unquote something interesting to catch um but apparently it wasn't until last year until people realized that the fish had grown to over 60 pounds um i don't know what the carrot is eating in there my guess would be everything <laughs> um but i really like so what a lot of people don't realize about goldfish, you know what I mean, just the, the itty bitty ones, the feeder fish you get, you know, the fish you win at a carnival. Goldfish are indeed carp and they will grow to whatever size habitat they are in. So if you have them in say like a 20 gallon aquarium, they'll grow to fit that space. And apparently, if they are able to survive and they have an entire lake to themselves, they turn into this. And I do want to say that, hang on, let's take another look at, ooh, I do want to say that I believe, and I don't know if science backs me up on this, but I believe, my beliefs back me up on this, that this fish 
could, in fact, continue to grow. Probably not much. Probably not, like, we're probably not going to get, um, you know, another 60 pounds on this fish. But I think the carrot's got a little more growing to do. I think the carrot has a little more size in him. Um, also, well, the thing is, though, I start to wonder now as I say that, is that good? Because, I don't know, is this, is this, a, no, you know what, the carrot, look at that. Oh, he's so happy. He's so happy. Uh, although the eye right now says, oh shit, let me go. Um, so yeah, but I, the other thing I want to point out, uh, before we move on is the, these little, like the little whiskers, you know, coming out the side, little, little side fish whiskers. Um, I don't know what those are. I, my immediate thought goes to like, just, just to help them like bring food in, uh, a la predator, I guess which I'm assuming that's what the predator does with the mouth tentacles. Um, but it's cool to me because if you, ignoring the shininess and lumpy qualities, <laughs> there are aspects of this that if you look at it, you could almost see where like a dragon design could come out. You know what I mean? Like, cause a lot of the oriental style dragons would have like the long whiskers coming out a lot like catfish do and things like that. And really like, it's, I don't know. I think this, I think the carrot could be a very interesting uh, creature, magical creature. And yeah, um, apparently uh, someone is saying that this is a magic carp and I believe it. Um, I would love to see, like this carrot is this close, <clears throat> excuse me, is this close to evolving. And I really want to see that. This this is going to become a Loch Ness monster. I think we can all just agree on that. <laughs> um, so as we move on, um, oh, I do want to say as well, initially when I first saw this man with the carrot, I think it was this picture. Like it actually took me a second because my first instinct was that's, that's not real. There's no way that's real. That's a Photoshop. But Indeed, there is actually a video, a very short video, that this, I believe the, the photos are stills taken from it. I mean, they might have just taken pictures at the same time as the video. But in this video, the gentleman here, the angler, as it were, is putting the carrot back in to the lake. So I am happy to report that the carrot lives to see many more days and to grow even larger. Carrot, my heart is with you. Uh, so, so next up, whilst the carrot has broken records in size and majesty, we also have here, and this is actually a, a human based story, but, um, yes. So I have another video for this one, but let me tell you a little bit about it first because this is insane. Um, so this is another, apparently November is the month for breaking Guinness World Records. Um, I know that the uh, Guinness Book of World Records does have an event kind of, I want to say late October slash November, maybe question mark. Um, but yeah, I, w I found a ton of new records being broken, set, etc. One of them was this. So what we have here, this is a professional archer from Denmark, who broke a Guinness World Record by shooting seven, that's right, not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, but seven arrows through a keyhole. You know, 
the hole in a door that you put a key into. Now, I do want to point out and say that it's like, you know, it's like one of the old style keyholes that actually goes through the entire door, you know, that you would like peek through uh, back in olden times. But seven arrows shot through this keyhole. Um, so let me, let me play this for you because we've got like, this is wild. This is wild and it, it boggles my mind. Sorry, I got my, got my mouse down in there. So, okay. So they do have, they do show different angles here, but, and he does, he does take a minute to line back up. The man is shooting arrows through the keyhole. Who does this? Again, not even one, but like seven times. I, now, I don't know if the glasses this man is wearing are super powered, like binocular glasses, but that is absolutely absurd to me. That is absurd to me. And I, I almost can't accept it <laughs> simply because it is so impressive. I am so freaking impressed by this. Um, so this is Lars Anderson, who apparently also has a YouTube page and posts archery stunts too. Um, but yeah, uh, the keyhole, as it turns out, is... Well, and this was also according to the Guinness Book of World Records, the keyhole could be no more than 10 millimeters, which is about 0.39 inches wide. That, that's like a, that's just like, a, that's a real little guy. Um, and uh, Anderson does point out, and anyone who may be into archery and may you know have some experience with that may have noticed that the arrows used here had no feathers because they, there was a possibility that they could get stuck into the keyhole. Um, so I know that feathers, well, let me rephrase. I believe in my limited knowledge that the feather helps the arrow kind of stay on course, I wanna say. Anyone, please feel free to correct me on this. Um, I believe it seems like this is close enough that you know, it's, it's probably not as big of a deal. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm not really sure how, you know what? I'll admit it. I'm not really sure how the arrow is affected by not having a feather on it. I'm assuming that because it's this close, it's not as big of a deal, question mark. Um, I'm being told here though, which says that this person does have a lot of interesting videos. Um, and I am curious to check it out because anyone who's going to be shooting arrows through a keyhole, I would be curious to see what else it is that they can do. And uh, Cyclonus, I feel like a keyhole like this, again, is is likely a vintage one, I want to say, because I the only time I've seen them tends to be, again, with the older ones that you would stick almost like a skeleton key in um, and work it that way. I've not really seen any kind of modern i.e. more secure <laughs> keyholes that go all the way through in this fashion. Obviously because A, they would be easier to pick. B, you can peek through them, which that's kind of creepy. And C, apparently you can shoot arrows into them. Uh, so I would warn anyone before you go out looking for an old timey 
you know, lock mechanism and keyhole that goes all the way through. Think about your safety first. Do you want somebody coming in and trying to assassinate you by archery through your very own keyhole? I'm just saying, these are the thoughts we need to have now. Thoughts that I never thought I would have to be thinking. I never thought I would have to have that fear. <laughs> and it is, it's true. It is bad for heating and cooling because again, there is a hole that goes right through. Uh, and, you know, I imagine, because I I will say, in my own house, I do have a couple doors, because it is it is an old house. I do have a couple doors that have the keyhole that go all the way through. I don't have those keys. I don't know that those keys have been around for a very long time. So they're not doors that get locked. <laughs> um, I'm Listen, I'm sure that maybe a locksmith could come out and be like, ah, here's one for you. But... It's, at least in the situation here, the house is, as well as an old house can be, pretty temperature regulated from room to room. So it doesn't add to any bad effects here, I want to say. But again, it's, you know, there's like two doors that have a keyhole like that. Um, and generally speaking, the temperature is the same on both sides of the door. <laughs> um, and usually... Usually I have something hanging off the doorknob so that there will be an extra barrier of protection should someone be coming after me in an old school arching fashion uh, because I'm not about to go down by an arrow. There, I said it. Um, so yeah, I was super impressed by this though. It really makes me think of, you know, all of the stuff that we see in movies and, and TV and you know, stuff like that. There was actually, I watched through Wednesday on Netflix, the new series that follows Wednesday Adams, a la The Adams Family. Um, I do want to say I binged it. I thought it was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. Um, but it does make me think because there is one scene in which she's doing, doing a little of the arching, as it were. Um, and of course, you know, it's one of those situations where like all these trick archery shots, like, you know, in the old Disney Robin Hood, where Robin Hood's a fox and little John's a bear, where, you know, the arrow shoots into the sky and then he shoots the arrow and tilts it back down and all of this. I, I don't know how possible that is, but I am starting to believe that some of these tricks are a little more possible slash plausible than I would have thought based on stuff like this. Also, the fact that there already was a record for arrows shot through a keyhole. This is just the record for the most arrows shot through a keyhole. So this is apparently a wide enough spread activity that multiple people are vying for this. <laughs> um... Oh, yeah. And yeah, no. Critwitch, every time I watch the old Disney Robin Hood, the script writing is mwah, immaculate. Like, it's just the conversations are so fluid. They feel so good. Um, and it's just great. They have some really, really uh, underappreciated music, I think. Like, you know, everyone was going on about, you know, Let It Go and stuff like this a little bit ago. Um... But what about, what about the Rooster's song, you know? Um, the every, every town has its ups and downs. Come on, that's, that's the stuff right there. Um, and I do want to say too, 
As far as trick archery goes, something that I would highly recommend people check out. So I don't say this out of bias, but Korea is known for, you know, the history of archery and horseback archery among them. And there are people who currently still practice, um, you know, the horseback archery, horseback, like spear fighting and stuff like that. Some of these videos of what people have learned to do over years of practice is fantastic. And it's definitely worth a watch because not only are you getting trick archery, you are getting horses. Uh, so really there is no way that you can go wrong, uh, but it's also really impressive. So it's worth a watch from that, from that end as well. Um, so, so as we move along on our, our adventure today, what I have for you next, ah, uh, yes, the humble bumblebee or honeybee. This one's a honeybee. The, it's just bumblebee rhyme. So I had to do it. Uh, the humblebee though, the honeybee that we all know and love, uh, that hang out, go around, pollinate, do all sorts of stuff. We've learned a great deal about bees, uh, in the past several years, which, you know, I don't know how many people are keeping up with bee research, but it has come to light that bees communicate via dance. Bees dance at each other. Uh, I would assume that if there's an argument, they, they throw down and like start just like breakdancing at each other, dance battle. We have also learned that bees will protect their hive, uh, say if one of the danger wasps goes into the hive to try and, I don't know, just do wasp, <laughs> hashtag just wasp things, the bees will actually defend the hive and kill the wasp, not by stinging, because that would kill them. They actually s start like vibrating. They become vibrate, vi vibri, vibes. I'm, I'm really trying, <laughs> um, <clears throat> but they go up and they surround the wasp and they start vibrating and they raise the temperature. So they actually end up killing the wasp by overheating it by just, you know, being, being little, little heaters. Uh, so there are a lot of things that are really, really cool that bees do, um, including like being able to re remember directions and things like that, a la from when they're venturing out from the hive and all this. But the latest that I have seen that I think is really cool is that apparently, apparently bees, oh, and it is bumblebees. Okay. So it is bumblebees. Um, bumblebees like to play. Yes. As if bees could not get any cuter and any more fantastic and amazing bees play. Oh my God. So. There, there is so much about this that I love and I'm excited to share. So it was researchers from Queen Mary University in London that what they did was they set up this experiment to where um, there was a container that let the bees travel from the nest to a feeding area. But kind of along the way and the path of that container, there was a separate section that the bees could choose to pass through that had um, just a bunch of random little like wooden balls. So just, you know, I mean, maybe if you think of like the little wooden beads um, and things like that, but with no hole, just, just little, little wooden balls. Um, and so 
it was, I, I believe, over 18 days, the scientists just observed. They'd watch the bees come and go, do their thing, go eat, go back to the nest, hang out. And um, so apparently during the course of this time, the bees, quote, went out of their way to roll wooden balls repeatedly, despite no apparent incentive to do so. Uh, something that we might look at and think, those bees are, are playing. They're getting into the getting into the World Cup mood. Um, but the findings suggest that, like humans, uh, these bees interact with objects um, as a form of play. And also similarly to people, apparently the younger bees were more playful than the adult bees. Um, so before I go on, before I go on, I think it's really important that I share with you, not only do I have this fine picture of a bee, I have a video of bees playing. Just, I know you may be seated and you may have a full seat, but you're only gonna need the edge because get ready, here we go, here we go. Look at this bee, look at it, oh, look at him go. Look! Now tell me that is not amazing. Um, the bee just the bee just rolled off the screen. Oh, I guess they are beads. Look, they have the little bead hole in there. But yeah, so so as we see here, the bees are playing. Um, oh, we have a close up. Let's take a look. Look, look at this bee just just rolling the ball around. What are you doing with that? Yeah, so apparently there's no reason the scientists could discover why the bee was doing this sort of a thing, uh, just was, because obviously, I mean, look at this. If I were a bee, I would completely be doing this as well. Um, oh my God, this is, I do have to say, this is likely a video that I will play repeatedly if I'm, a, you know, having a rough day in a mood. Um, the other thing I wondered about this is the bee playing with that particular one had it almost like a little tag on the back, which makes me wonder if they, if the scientists have little like bee vests that they wear to identify the various different bees. But yeah, look at them. Uh, yeah, so, <laughs> so this whole situation with the bees and, and the playing and such. Um, so essentially what this does is it shows that insects, particularly these bees, could be much more sophisticated mentally than uh, people formerly thought. And uh, so earlier studies apparently showed that the, well, I say these bees, I mean bumblebees, but I don't know if it's necessarily these individual specific bees, um, but it did show that they are willing to learn tricks to get food or other rewards, things like that. Um, so, what the research team did here is that they created conditions that would help to eliminate kind of variables that might influence the bees to hang out and play with these these things. Um, and what they did was they made sure the bees had acclimated to the new home, that the environment was stress-free, um, and then they categorized the bees by age and sex and um, just kind of let them go their way at that point. Um, and 
apparently many of the bees took the detour to go into this this special ball pit <laughs> to play around um yeah yeah so it's the thing that i think is particularly interesting about this that was included in the article is that quote from one of the scientists they may actually experience some kind of positive emotional states even if rudimentary like other larger fluffy or not so fluffy animals do this sort of finding has implications to our understanding of sentience and welfare of insects and will hopefully encouraging us to respect and protect life on earth evermore i have got to say there there is something about the idea of play um, that I think does speak to something a little more, I don't know, just a little more, you know? Um, and I, even aside from that, though, like, aside from just the fact, whatever this suggests about, you know, bee sentience and anything like that, and uh, bee emotional states, the biggest thing, the biggest thing to take away is just this. This is fantastic. Look at them! Look what they're doing! Oh my gosh, they're just rolling these things all around. Fantastic. So, uh, bees playing. And I do want to say, too, for the monthly weird last month in October, there actually was another uh, article that I found about bees where it actually suggested that research by these particular scientists showed that bees not only can count, but they order numbers in order from uh, left to right, I believe it was. So, A, uh, again, I'm apparently just going to give a, a letter listing to all of these articles, but bees are apparently much smarter uh, and emotionally present, I guess, than uh, we would have thought. And also, there's a lot of study that's been happening on bees recently. And also, also, they are going to you know, at some point evolve and become our bee overlords. And, um, you know, I, for one, think that the bee overlords are wonderful and absolutely should should rule the world in whichever way they want. And, um, you know, if, if anyone's going to be spared from a terrible giant bee overlord death, I would like to be considered. <laughs> um, so... Bees. Bees. <laughs> yes, Crewwitch also welcomes the future bee overlords. Yeah, I. you know what? Bees are cool. Bees are cool. I think we've, ever since, you know, bees started going, being endangered and, and we were looking out a little more actively for the bee population, bees have only become cooler. And I'm not just saying that because they will soon control the world. You know, I mean that from the heart. <laughs> um... So, as we move on, this one is weird. This one is really weird. So, wolves. We know a thing or two about wolves. Canines, glorious, majestic, roaming around, packs, howling. Um, what has apparently been found out? Um, so, before I go into that, on a another note, uh, toxoplasmosis, toxoplasm, uh, officially the parasite, toxoplasma gandhi, a parasite, 
Um, and if anyone does not know that one right off the top of their heads, it's the parasite that lives in cat poop. It's the parasite that was researched upon and discovered that when uh, rats were exposed to this parasite, they actually sought out cats and tried to become friendly with them, much to their own demise, uh, because apparently what this parasite does is that the parasite reproduces in cat poop. Um, and so when it finds its way into another animal, it kind of rewires things a little bit to where the animal will want to seek out cats so that the parasite can return to the cat poop. <laughs> um, and there are, there are instances of other parasites that do uh, a similar type of thing. Um, I'm trying to think, I believe it was, I don't remember if it was a wasp or um, some something much smaller, um, but I remember that it actually caused the animals that um, were affected by it to seek out hawks and stuff like that because it was the same sort of thing. The, the parasite reproduced in the hawk digestive tract. Uh, so it would cause these animals to seek out these other animals, predatory animals that would eat them. So how does that relate to wolves, you might ask? So as it turns out, and this is all according to, well, the article I found on this is from the Scientific American, but there, there are a few other articles about it online. Um, so apparently wolves can get this parasite. Um, and the way that wolves get it, not from rooting around in wayward cat litter boxes, um, but where they get it is that, um, let's see, where'd it go? Well, let me let me just take you through this. Uh, <laughs> and yes, Cyclonus, it is indeed sinister. But yeah, let me take you through this chronologically. So, warm-blooded animals catch this this horrifying little menace um, by eating infected animals or in jesting forms again from infected cats by by rooting around in their poop. Um, so what happens is after a period of enough of the infection. Uh, what I quote from the article as semi-dormant cysts form in muscle and brain tissue that persist for the rest of the host's life. <laughs> and um, also, fun fact, fun side fact, that up to one third of humans might be chronically infected. So take from that what you will. As an owner of three cats, you know, I'm just going to assume that that is why I tolerate their nonsense business. <laughs> um, but yeah, so apparently a up to a third of humans could have it. But um, yeah, so uh, moving moving on. <laughs> well, and, you know, and Crit Witch, I do think it explains somewhat the love for cats, but like, yo, the cats are real cuddly and they're also really cute. So, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this, uh, this particular team decided to study the effect of this, this toxoplasmosis on wild animals, because there's really not been that many studies that have checked it out. Um, 
one particular study um, followed infected hyenas in Kenya that became more likely to be eaten by lions much like the rats and house cats. Um, so this this team thought of an opportunity to link the infection with behavior in wild wolves uh, and that are, you know, groupedly uh, living in Yellowstone National Park. Um, so what they did was they took 256 blood samples from 229 wolves and these are all wolves that had been studied, watched throughout their lives, etc. Um, and they had apparently their life histories, social status, and all of that recorded. So the scientists were familiar with the dynamics uh, of the wolves and things like that. Um, and what they found, and I think this is really interesting, was that infected wolves, infected by this particular parasite, were 11 times more than likely then uninfected ones to leave their birth family to start a new pack and also 46 times more likely to become pack leaders. Um, often the only wolves in the pack that breed. Uh, so <laughs> it's, it's really interesting because, you know, it's, it's not just that the wolves are seeking out mountain lions, which apparently um, is where a lot of the, or I'm sorry, cougar, well, I think cougars are mountain lions, but apparently that is where they are becoming infected, is that um, uh, cougars are just warehouses, warehouses of this parasite. Um, and so wolves being known for killing cougars, um, you know, they'll likely catch a lot of it. Um, so... <laughs> But yeah, so it's it's wild. It's wild. It apparently, you know, quote, provides compelling evidence of the profound influence that pathogens can have on the ecology and behavior of wild animal populations. Uh, you know, and there's something to be said about the idea that perhaps, perhaps the parasite causes these creatures to become more bold. Perhaps it, it means they have less um, inhibition in a way, uh, which in rats, in these particular hyenas that were studied, lead to them just waltzing up to their predators and being like, hey, eat me, literally. Um, that is a sort of boldness, you know, a lack of the fear, the natural fear that would go with that. But apparently, it also caused these wolves to become uh, bolder and, and more more of go-getters, um, even if it wasn't just, you know, going up to cougars and, and like, lying down and being like, here's some, let me put some butter on here and, and whatnot. Um, yeah, so the other interesting thing um, in terms of how it could affect ecosystems on a larger scale uh, is that wolf populations with high rates of this particular parasitic infection could expand more quickly across a landscape than, you know, wolves without. Um, and also aggressive and risk-taking pack leaders could influence how entire packs act, possibly even increasing the chance of encountering cougars and exposing more members to infection. So it it seems like the, the sort of thing that could become, you know, even more widespread 
you know like this could be something that not only lives within a lot of cougars but starts to live within a lot of wolves uh, just naturally uh so yeah so that's that's horrifying that's horrifying and yeah critwich mentions um there being something else that makes the host a zombie so there are a few things that do that don't ask me why no i look up weird things all the time <laughs> but um there are a few insects where the wasp will a parasitic wasp will lay its eggs within the host and the babies that start to develop within the host will grow and then they will start actually controlling what the host insect does and they will also simultaneously be eating their way out but aside from that there is also um right now that's actually been running pretty horrifically rampant uh, i forget what the ex uh it's wasting disease wasting disease that happens with deer where it actually makes them start to look like zombies um they become much more aggressive they i mean it's called wasting disease because parts of them start to waste away um but it's incredibly um contagious and it's been yeah it's it's been spreading pretty badly uh and i haven't recently looked up kind of what the situation is with that but deer wasting disease if you want to look at something that is really just will also horrify you uh definitely look that up <laughs> um yeah and yeah, no, Cyclonus, you are absolutely correct that bees rule and wasps do exist just to be horrific and lay their wasp babies within things so they can eat their way out. Mm. Um, but speaking of deer, <laughs> speaking of deer, but not having wasting disease, uh, recently, very recently, as of, um, and this was an article posted on November 29th, Observe, just in time for the holiday season, observe if you will. Look at that beauty right there. Wildlife officials in New York caught this white deer on camera in West Seneca. So as many people know and maybe don't know, most deer of this particular species tend to be brown, um, kind of tan colored and such like that. Not often do you see one that is completely white uh much less like full stag white um but it's it appears to be a um let's see where is it uh i may pronounce this wrong apologies but uh a deer with leucism l-e-u-c-i-s-m leucism where it's it's not albinism because there is still some pigment on the animal like they don't have the red eyes um, and, and clearly with the steer too, there's a little bit of brown on the head where, you know, that nice emo cut would be. There's also, you know, dark eyes, dark nose. Um, and I, I don't know if, if the deer was albino, if that would affect the horns, I'm assuming it would. Um, but yeah, so the, the deer otherwise, um, is pretty unique, um, in that sense and uh so apparently the they found it though um let's see uh kind of near the highway just hanging out where one of the one of the um articles talking about 
you know, having first found the deer, said, quote, they maybe just got confused by our local highway signs for West Seneca and took the wrong exit. So, uh, also because it's theorized to be a Seneca white deer. <laughs> um, so, but it's, I, there is something, I think, pretty magical about something like this. Um, I don't know, it's just, stags inherently, there's something very like Lord of the Forest that happens, um, you know, just with the full antlers and such. And being able to see one that's this white, I think is is really cool. It's very ghostly, as it were. Uh, so I think that's pretty cool. And moving on from that, uh, the last actual story story I have for you this evening. Ah, yes. As I mentioned before, it is indeed entering into holiday, winter holiday, December holiday, whatever it is you want, you celebrate and such month. So this last story I have for you is that apparently, apparently the United States Postal Service is looking for volunteer Santas to answer letters from kids, which, listen, I may have horns on my head and dead bugs on my wall, but if this does not just warm my cold little heart. <laughs> um, so there is something that the USPS, United States Postal Service, does every year called Operation Santa, which, you know, a, a lot of letters will be sent out just addressed to Santa at North Pole. And, you know, the post office takes them in. Um, and what happens, I guess I should have put a trigger warning in case anyone real young is watching this. If you're real young, just earmuffs, earmuffs her a little bit. Um, but so what happens here is that people who volunteer to be a part of this, um, they're asked to register and create an Operation Santa account um, so they can be verified identity wise. So you just don't have random random people completely, uh, you know, mailing letters to children. Um, but people who volunteer are asked to browse through letters to Santa and quote, adopt the ones they love and then write back as Santa, um, you know, and just do that sort of thing, which, so the, the program for this is open to taking volunteers through uh, all right, no, the, the actual program itself, the letter response program, is open through December 19th. So if anyone, um, you know, gets a little gets a little feel in their chestal heart region, um, it's something uh, maybe to look into. Again, I, I may be, you know, a dark and creepy lady at times, but I also teach younger kids, and I think that this is something that I may be interested in partaking of uh getting get into that that nice cheerful holiday spirit you know how it is um and yeah this is actually the first year that i've ever been aware of this even so uh yeah yeah and in the spirit of the holidays i want to end this month's monthly weird with that's right a little bit of a list a list sure you could get your loved ones the normal things for the holiday season, such as socks, an iPad, computer, um, 
a rolling chair, rolling pin, uh, a puffy sleeved dress. Who knows? Who knows what you could get? But what you should get is something weird. <laughs> and so I have compiled a list of weird and strange things that spoke to me personally that I want to share with you. Um, yes, Bronx Smash, thank you. Santa needs helper elves to respond to all the letters. Um, and yeah, and I I plan to be one of those. <laughs> I, I got my, my pointy ears uh, in the other room and everything. Um, so... Uh, as we as we continue on, allow me to share with you this very, very deliberately and especially compiled list, curated, if you will, by yours truly. We start with the banana phone. Yes, that's right, the banana phone. You may remember it from times past. Ring, 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 banana phone. Now you too can have your very own Bluetooth banana phone. Uh, so this is something I will be completely honest with you that it's, it's a miracle. I have not gotten one of these for myself yet because I did find this some months ago for the first time. And I was real close. I was, re I was real close to obtaining a banana phone of my own. Um, and hi Raven. Hello. How are you? It's good to see you. You're just in time for the most important part. <laughs> um, so this banana phone, uh, it can be found on the Uncommon Goods website, that is uncommongoods.com. It is exactly what you think. It's a Bluetooth phone in the shape of a banana. <laughs> it's like Lotus. You're not completely wrong. You're not completely wrong. Um, there, and I will say there's, there's a couple things that aren't necessarily just for me on here because I, I tried to round it out a bit, but a lot of it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's the phone itself measures uh, 9.25 by, I guess, uh, 2.75 by 1.5. But it's it's about 9.25 inches long. Um, and yeah, blue, Bluetooth phone in the shape of a banana. Now, the reason why I have not gotten this for myself yet is that it is a $40 impulse buy. <laughs> so I, I have not been able to really, um, you know, just uh, convince myself that's worth it yet. But as a gift, getting a gift for your, your very own banana lover, um, I think it would make an amazing one. So next up, next up, we have here, um, yes, that's right, two pounds of assorted dehydrated marshmallow bits. Have you ever enjoyed a nice box of insert generic cereal name that contains both regular cereal bits and marshmallowy bits? And did you ever think to yourself, man, there are not enough marshmallows. And by not enough, I mean two and a half pounds worth of marshmallows. Now, I do want to point out that marshmallows do not weigh a lot. Marshmallows are pretty light. So this is a lot of marshmallows um, and they are indeed the, the dehydrated kind, the kind you could, you know, have you ever wanted to add uh, some dehydrated marshmallows into your, your weedy biscuits and, and feel both like an old person and a young person at the same time? Boom. There you have it. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it's, 
most of the things I'm seeing under the reviews have been uh, four stars and more, so you can believe that these are, in fact, dehydrated marshmallow bits. Um, and I say it like that because, listen, nobody's gonna say, oh, I'm giving dehydrated marshmallow bits one star. You know, I mean, we're not evil up in here. You know, not that evil anyway. Um, so yeah, two and a half pounds of assorted dehydrated marshmallow bits. It's a lot of marshmallows. It is, um, tw right now it is uh, $29.99 on Amazon. <clears throat> Um, but it is prime, so you can get a prime overnight. Um, if you need, if you see these mallows right now and need them tomorrow without fail, um, and then have them last you the rest of your life or the next week and a half. Uh, so, you know, uh, marshmallows, very good. The next is quite possibly one of my favorites. However, much like any item that is perishable. This is not something that's necessarily going to last forever. Um, this does have a shelf life, as it were. Um, but may I introduce you to Potato Face? Yes, that's right. You may have known that you can mail a potato in the actual mail. There is actually a company that will do it for you if you would like called potatoparcel.com. And now, yes, that's right now, not only can you mail your loved one a potato, you can mail them a potato with a face on it. You can put your face, their face, the face of a celebrity, maybe a dog face. I have no idea what the restrictions are, but I know you can put a face on it and it will be mailed to the person of your choice. Um, you know, there's, you can also add here a surprise gift box. I don't know what that means, um, but maybe it says it's something else. I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, so so potatoparcel.com is where you would go for this. Um, you All you have to do is upload your file of choice and it will be printed upon the potato. Um, and you, you print and send for only $21.99. That's right, for $22, this potato can end up anywhere. <laughs> um, and yeah, it, it is one of those things uh, that makes you go, hmm. But it's also one of those things that makes you go, I like it. <laughs> and I do have to say too, if if a potato necessarily isn't your your gift of choice to mail, uh, this website, Potato Parcel, does also have spring-loaded glitter box. So um, you can you can wish that on your greatest enemy. Uh, it is literally like a cylindrical box with a spring and a little platform that once it is opened, just boop. Just glitter everywhere. Um, so yeah, if you if you want to cut ties with someone, burn some bridges. Uh, that's a great way to do it, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. The the paltry fee of twenty one ninety nine for a printed potato, but there you have it. And um, aside from that too, I did not want to leave out anyone who may, you know, celebrate Hanukkah or anything like that. So I did want to include. We have here the mench on a bench, and this. Bench on a Bench does come with both the hardcover book and a removable bench. The bench is not stuck to this fine gentleman's butt for all of time. Uh, so 
yeah, yeah, you can, you can get this. And, um, this one is indeed also on Amazon. Um, it is not Prime, unfortunately, but I believe there is free shipping, I think. Um, now, when you are choosing your mench on a bench, you can choose the regular mench on a bench, but you can also choose a snow mench or a talking mench, um, which, you know, I, do I love it? Yes. Yes, I do. Uh, so, you know, everyone, everyone can enjoy the holidays with something weird. And aside just from that, you know, you don't necessarily have to go on the, the lists online from various different websites that say, hey, look at our list of weird things. You can actually find weird things all around you if you are looking hard enough. For example, some of my favorite finds are on Facebook Marketplace, and I do want to share them with you. For example, and these are all things I have actually found on Facebook Marketplace, not that I have obtained myself and actually purchased, unfortunately. Uh, because, let me tell you, now that I'm looking back at it, I would love this nun doll. Like, I look at this nun doll now and I think to myself, man, I let that slip away. I let it slip away. But, you know, sadly, someone else is probably enjoying this right now. But yes, you can find things like this. This And from what it looks like as I look at it in this prone and haunting position, uh, the doll does appear to have one of those ones like that when you lift it up, the eyes open um, and such like that. So there are things like that. Uh, another classic that I found on um, Facebook Marketplace would be this... It's Sherlock Holmes. It's supposed to be Sherlock Holmes. I'm assuming as a baby, an angry faced baby with tiny, tiny little eyes, just the smallest eyes you have ever seen. Just the eyes could not possibly get any smaller. Um, so yeah, this is, this is Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, so uh, moving on, <laughs> um, another thing that I found, this chicken wing necklace. You know, if you think chicken wings are delicious, why not wear them? That's what I'm saying. So you really can find pretty much anything. The the items of your dreams. Uh, you know, if, if, you just, if you just look, if you just take a minute and look, you can find all sorts of stuff. Um, <laughs> and... I will say, I actually, I didn't show a picture because I, one of those websites, it's a new website that um, has, it, it potentially is wish adjacent. <laughs> um, and so I actually ended up doing an order just to see, just to see how close these items would be to how they are described and if it's worth it. Uh, so there are a few things I got on there. Um, yeah, so I didn't I didn't want to spoil the surprise by sharing any pictures um, before their time. Uh, but the other things I wanted to show you as well, as well, as well. Listen, if you're really looking for some weird stuff, I'm not necessarily one who always likes to toot my own horn. But your girl does make some stuff that is kind of weird. Ranging from kind of to really. And listen, if you want an angry uterus on a shirt or on a bag or on any other number of goods, I got you. Uh, yes, you too can visit 
my my website and get all sorts of weird stuff. Uh, one of my top items right now is this My Body, My Rights, which I do also have an ally version, Their Body, Their Rights, and I do have the My Body, My Rights in Spanish as requested. Uh, so yeah, we've got a few of those. And again, on lots of different types of shirts, bags, I have a bag. I don't know. There's all sorts of stuff there. And the other thing I have uh, that I wanted to share of one of my own is this delightful headpiece here. It's a little hard to see because I haven't figured out how to photograph it in a way I like yet, but you'll notice that it is the top part of the skull of a deer, including a little bit of the antlers. We I, I painted those, wrapped some wire, uh, the stone on the front is indeed Labradorite, one of my favorite stones, and we got some rooster feathers coming off the top. It goes on your head. It is fantastic. I wore it uh, for one of my vendings one time, and whilst I would not recommend necessarily wearing it, you know, while you're going out dancing or something like that, you don't want to poke an eye out, but it is something that is available. And I will tell you, I have a box full of skulls and a little Tupperware full of snake vertebrae, so there is going to be a lot of fun things coming out pretty soon. So definitely uh, check that out if you're wanting to get into some weird stuff uh, that, you know, again, not to toot my own horn, but it is stuff that I think is pretty cool because I made it <laughs> with my very own hands. Um, yeah, so, so. Thank you so much for joining me for this month's Monthly Weird. I am anticipating that next month will be wild because lots of stuff happens during the holidays uh, toward the end of the year. Lots of lots of crazy business goes on. So I'm thinking we, we could potentially get some really wild stuff. Um, but yeah, as far as tonight goes, thank you so much everyone who joined me. It has been an amazing pleasure to have you here. Anybody who happens to be catching up on the VOD, on YouTube, anything like that, thank you, thank you so much. Come around sometime for the uh, the live stream. I love having people here to talk to, interact with. Um, and yes, Bronx Smash, thank you, thank you. I, I, I try the best I can to make cool things. <laughs> um, but yeah, I hope that everyone has a wonderful week. We're kind of still only at the beginning. So even if you're not feeling like the week is, you know, going your way just yet, it will. I have a good feeling for you. Uh, make sure to take some time for yourself. Show yourself some love. Let yourself get some rest, rejuvenation, whatever it is you need. And hey, take a minute, look yourself in the mirror and tell yourself you're doing a great job because I told you to, <laughs> but also because it's true. And yes, thank you so much. Thank you again, everyone on chat who is here. It is always amazing to see all of you. And I look forward to seeing you next time. <laughs>